0: We set the the scene this morning as we continue our journey through uh, the cast of Christmas. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the beginning of the first chapter of Genesis. Um, God created the heavens and the earth and everything that was in them, including mankind, and he saw that it was good. In fact, he saw that it was very good. And Adam and Eve, they spent time walking in the garden with God, taking care of God's newly formed creation, but if you're familiar with the story, it wasn't real long before that was all messed up, right? That, that time in the garden, walking with God was short-lived. They had one command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But after being tempted by the serpent, they broke God's command. They ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from that point forward, things got complicated, right? Life was complicated by the presence of and our awareness of sin in our lives, And life gets really messy from there. It's not long and we see brothers murdering brothers, man trying to ascend to the same level as God, and violence sweeping across the world. But a ways down the road, generations later, God sees this man, Abraham, and he sees that he's full of faith and full of righteousness. And he establishes a covenant with him, promising that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, that they would be a blessing to the entire world. And of course, Abraham's life wasn't perfect. He wasn't a perfect man. He had his own issues. But for the most part, he lived a life that was faithful to God. He followed his calling. He did what he said. And we see Isaac born. We see Jacob, who's later renamed Israel born. We see his 12 sons born, who then become the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those sons was Judah, whose line would continue through generation after generation until it passed through Boaz, who we just talked about. Then Jesse and King David, and then a few generations later, we get to Jesus. And As those generations went by, it, it wasn't without ups and downs. And unfortunately, Israel, in their case, it was more downs than it was ups. They often failed to remain faithful to God. They were constantly distracted and pulled away from their true love. Throughout most of that his- history, Israel had the prophets. Right, when you read through the Bible, there's all these books of the prophets, and they're kind of spread throughout Israel's history. Sometimes delivering good news that, despite their sinfulness, despite their unfaithfulness, God was going to hold up His end of the bargain, anyways. Amen. And at other times, they're telling God, or God's telling them, yeah, He'd had enough. They're going to receive the punishment that they deserve, right? And in 586 BC, the Babylonians destroy Israel. They take over. Israel loses their land, their leaders, their the holy city of Jerusalem and their temple. Everything that they believed made them a, a unique people. A nation that was holy and set apart, it was all gone. Every bit of it. Because they had long since forgotten what really made them different it wasn't a what, it wasn't something they had, but a who. It was a person, it was God who made them special. And they were scattered all throughout the world. And then 48 years later, in 538 B.C., the Persians took over Babylon, Babylon, allowed them to come back, take over their land, rebuild their temple. But they never really fully returned to God. They never followed him again the way that they did in their early days. They lost all real sense of who they were, and the prophets went silent. For over 400 years, Israel didn't hear from God. Eventually, the Greeks take over the Persians, and Israel fared pretty well under Greek rule. But when Alexander the Great died, his kingdom was split between his generals, and in 198 BC, the Seleucids gained control over Palestine, and they forbid upon pain of death the Israelites to practice their traditional life, including their religion. They also turned the temple again into a pagan shrine, and persecution began ramping up more and more. Eventually, through war and revolt and violence, Israel regained their independence in 164 B.C., but as Israel's leader once again grew increasingly increasingly corrupt, they asked, of all people, a Roman general, Pompey, to come in and restore order. Rather than crying out to God, they asked this Roman general to come in and restore order. But with him, of course, comes the Roman Empire, And with the Roman Empire came even more moral depravity, political upheaval, corrupt leaders, rebellions and false prophets popping up here and there, poverty, heavy taxation on top of that poverty, famines, uh, a ruler in Herod uh, that was known for having his political and religious opponents killed, even his own family, his own sons he had killed. There's a story that one time he even had the priest his ears cut off or bitten off so that he couldn't serve in the temple anymore. It's just, it was truly a time of complete desperation. Sound familiar? <laughs> Some pretty significant parallels could be drawn between what the Israelites were experiencing, between the struggle of their times and the struggles of our times. Amen. The difference is that we have the knowledge of a Savior. Who's already come to save? For them, all of these terrible things were happening, all the while, silence from the prophets, silence from God. Silence is a little uncomfortable, right? When there's silence, you can just, it's like you can feel it pressing down on you. You can feel that there's something missing. Something's not happening that should be. That's exactly what Israel is experiencing. Although I don't think they really understood or realized the thing that was missing was God. That was obviously the issue. And into that silence, into that complete desperation, into that, that weight just pressing down on them, burst the angels. Into this world of hopelessness and despair appear angels, messengers of God, and the silence is broken. In the Gospels, we're given four different encounters with the angels. Um, And it's a short amount of time between when we see the first and when Christ is born. In just a minute, we're going to look at each of those encounters. But before we get there, just a little bit about angels. What are angels? Are they what we see in movies? Do they really get their wings every time a bell rings? (laughs) No. Unfortunately for Clarence, that is not the way that it works. But the truth about angels, the word that's translated angels in both the Old and the New Testament means messenger. Angels are created beings. They're not some kind of God. They're not eternal. They're not all-seeing. They're not all powerful. They're all not all-knowing. Which is important to know because Satan was an angel who rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven. And I hope that some of you can find that encouraging because for some of you, life has been overwhelming. It seems like Satan's been more present at times than God has, tripping you up, making life miserable at every turn. But Satan's reach is limited because he's created, because he's not all seeing, he's not all knowing, he's not all powerful, he's not God. He's not capable of what God is. He never will be. He will never be victorious over God. Well, back to the the angels that we want to talk about, the angels we want to focus on this morning. The angel's primary function is the unceasing worship of God. But at times they're also commissioned as messengers of God. They sustain and protect the people of God, and they wage war against those angels who are cast out of heaven with Satan. Angels are uniquely concerned with the salvation of humankind. In Luke 15, 10, Jesus tells his followers that the angels rejoice when even one person repents. When one person gives their life to Christ, the angels rejoice. There's different kinds of angels. Some of them are are specified as cherubim and seraphim, who probably somewhat resemble what we've seen in art and paintings. You know, the angels with wings and Sometimes they look terrifying. But angels also often appear as human beings. And if you look back to Genesis chapter 18, Abraham has this encounter where it says that he was visited by three strangers. It describes them as three men. Those were angels. We know the names of two angels, Michael and Gabriel. But more more often than not, we don't know the names of angels. We just know they appear for a brief moment and then they're gone. So although we know some things about angels, there's still a lot, if not more, that's unknown. So an easy way of remembering what we need to know this morning about angels is this. Angels' primary responsibilities are to magnify God, they're messengers of God, and they minister to people. That is their their primary responsibilities, to magnify God, be messengers of God, and minister to people. And all three of those things are going to be seen this morning uh, through these stories we're going to look at. So, we're going to be spending some time in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 and uh, Matthew chapter 1. So, if you want to flip there and maybe Mark, or yeah, it's Mark, Matthew chapter 1, go ahead. Uh, We're going to be mostly in Luke. So, if you want to follow along, give you a quick second to flip there. So, starting with Luke chapter 1 verses 11 through 20. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. You'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And John must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. In each story that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to take a look at two things. The first thing is the angel's message. What do they say? The second thing is the recipient's response. Very simple. We're going to go through those, and then we'll get to the application at the end. So the angel's message and the recipient's response. In this story, the angels brought the news to Zechariah that against all odds, he and his wife, Elizabeth, were finally going to have this child that they had been praying and asking for for years. And this child, John, would be set apart To go before the Savior that was coming into the world. The angel told him that he was going to have this incredible impact on the people of Israel that would result in people turning back to God. The angel said that people would rejoice at John's birth and that he would bring joy to many. However, Zechariah's response was one of doubt and denial. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. It didn't make sense to him, so he questions the angel. How is this possible? Right? We're old. <laughs> How? <laughs> it does not make sense. He responds with doubt and denial, so he's made mute until the birth of John because he doubted God. Right? It's, it's not so much that he doubted the message. He doubted God. And he does get on board eventually, and the story does end well, but his doubt and his denial of God's promise led to a caveat to bringing and receiving God's blessing. Right, things got more difficult when Zechariah's first instinct was to doubt. That's story number 1. So we're going to we're going to circle back to it. We'll get a little bit more into that. But just keep in mind as we go through this morning, we're going to look at the messenger, the message, and the and the response of each encounter. So that's story number 1. The second encounter is found in Luke chapter 1 26 through 37 this is when we see Mary being told she's going to uh, be pregnant and have the baby Jesus. And it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The message was fairly similar, right? Similar to the, to the message that Zechariah said, or received. The message was, you're going to have a son in a, macru- a miraculous way that nobody is going to believe is possible. It's not going to make sense. And the son that you're going to have, he's going to bring joy to the people of Israel. But in addition to that message was the fact that the child she bore was going to be the son of God. Not just a prophet, not just somebody with an important message, but the physical person in the presence of God here on earth. And she was the one chosen to be his mother. This Jesus would inherit the throne of David, would rule on it forever, and to his kingdom there would be no end. It's a pretty amazing message unbelievable terrifying message to be receiving as a young woman who wasn't married yet and her response was unsure yet surrendered not quite the doubt and the denial that we saw from Zechariah she had some clarifying questions she didn't quite understand how this was going to work Right, to call Mary a young woman is probably a stretch. Some historians would put her age as old as 17, but most likely or agree that she was likely between 12 and 14 years old. So, of course, she has some questions. <laughs> but once they are answered, she was quick to sur- surrender herself to God's will. Right? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me. Let it be to me according to your word. The third story is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 25. And we see Joseph contemplating whether or not to leave Mary. It says this, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Again, a similar message. The angel comes with this message of deliverance. He tells Joseph that what has happened to Mary is the will of God. It's not a misdeed against Joseph. This wasn't an accident. She didn't do anything wrong. This is the will of God. This is an act of God. And he tells Joseph to name the baby Jesus because he would save his people from their sin, which was huge news, right? When you think about it, they had been under Roman oppression for years now. So deliverance was something that they wanted. But they, for thousands of years, they had been under the burden of sin, constantly making sacrifices to atone for that sin. It was something that weighed on them all the time, not just during Romans rule, but for their entire history. So what did it mean that they would be saved from their sin? They couldn't have had any idea what was coming, but Joseph knew something big was happening if this baby, his son, was going to deliver Israel from their sin. And Joseph's response was one of acceptance and action. Acceptance and action. Joseph later has two more encounters with the angels. And his response then was the same as it is in this story. When Joseph received a message from God, he accepted it, and he moved into action. He didn't wait. He didn't beat around the bush. He just got right into it. That was who Joseph was. The fourth and the final story we're going to look at this morning is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 8-17 through 17 and 20. It's where our scripture for Advent came from this morning. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Again, it's a very, very similar message. The angels constantly came proclaiming good news of great joy to these people that they were bringing the news to. Only now it wasn't something that was going to happen in the future. It was something that had already happened, something that was happening right now. They said, there has been born in the city of David the Savior of the world, which is great news, should bring great joy to the people. The angels came proclaiming praise to God, peace on earth, and joy to the people. And the shepherd's response was belief in broadcasting. Belief in broadcasting. They believed what the angels said. So they went to see it for themselves. They spread the good news they had received, and then they praised God for all that had been seen and everything they'd been a part of. Right, They were honored with a message from God and they didn't let it go to waste. So that's a, a snapshot of each of these encounters of the angels. You see, Zechariah, Mary, Joseph and the shepherds all receive messages somewhat unique to them, but universal for the world. A couple of things to note before we jump into the application. Number Number one, The angels didn't come to these people while they were doing something special. They weren't in prayer or worshiping in a temple, with the exception of Zechariah, but he was doing his job. So for him, it was kind of another day at work. It was special because he was able to burn incense, and you had to be chosen for that job, and it only came around once in your lifetime. But he was doing his job. the angels came to ordinary people going through life as usual. These people had done nothing special to set themselves apart to be used for God's glory. They weren't spending extra time at church. They weren't consecrating themselves in prayer. They weren't doing anything more than the average person, but God chose to use them anyway. God may meet you at any point of any day in a very significant way, whether you're ready for it, or not. Joseph woke up intent on divorcing Mary, right? In an encounter with the angels and a message from God later, in the entire direction of his life has changed forever. The second thing, the initial response to the angels of each of these characters, if you remember back, was fear. Without exception, there was fear when they came into contact with these angels there was a sense that something special was happening that they were not worthy to be a part of. Or there was a sense that they were not worthy to be in the presence of God. And there is a degree to which we should be afraid when we have an encounter that intense, whether it's with God or it's an angel from God. In that moment, we are without a shadow of doubt the lowest being, the lowest life form in the room. But without fail, the angels... Pick them up to do God's will. Almost as if saying, you're right, to bow your head, to cover your eyes, to cower in fear, but look up. Focus on God because he's got plans for your life and you're going to be a part of them. You have work to do. And three, the angels, no matter how much awe they brought to the people hearing their message, were never the center of attention. They came and delivered God's message, and then they were gone. They were never meant to receive the glory or to become the story. Their message was always meant to be the focus. Their message, not them. When God has a message, let's make sure he's the focus. The angels were wise to get in and to get out. In most cases, the Bible in the Bible, we don't even get enough introduction to get names of the angels we hear Gabriel and, and this one but that's uncommon i think they knew that had they stuck around there was potential that they the messengers would become the focus rather than the message i think we would be wise to do the same right relationships are important knowing and understanding people caring for people is important but when delivering the gospel if we become the news Rather than the good news, something is wrong. Next. If something about us becomes the center of attention rather than God, then something is wrong. Next. So, what does each of these encounters have to say for us today? I'll be honest. When I set out to preach on the angels, I was not excited. <laughs> My initial thought was they're not human, they're less relatable than any of the other characters because It's tough to relate to something that you haven't experienced, right? It's tough to relate to something that's so entirely different from who we are. But when you begin to look at the people that they're interacting with, the angel's story becomes pretty exciting. Amen. (laughs) Remember the silence that the angels burst into with this message of hope, joy, joy. In peace. It was a terrible time in a world that needed redeeming. In a world full of sin and broken people, in a lot of ways, nothing has changed. <laughs> in a lot of ways, everything is the exact same now as it was then. We still live in a broken world full of broken people in need of a Savior. But in some ways, everything has changed. Everything has changed because Christ has come, and by putting our faith in him, we can be saved from our sins and reconciled with God. So the first of the two applications I have for you this morning is very simple. Have hope. Have hope. Live with a perspective that what our experience is now will not be our experience forever. Because Christ has come with a better way and a better life to live now and eternally with him in heaven. God cares enough about humanity to create and to send the angels with this great message of good news, of hope, to draw us to himself. And even more than that, to send his son, His son, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, to experience the hardship, the pain, the sickness, the strange relationships, right? The tension between people, the heartbreak that we do. So that not only can we be saved, but we can be saved by a God who knows and relates to us as humans. The second way of applying the message this morning is in considering the response of each of the people that we talked about. As we look back, try to place yourself in the shoes of of those people and be honest with where you're at and then strive to be more like the next or more specifically about like Mary, the shepherds, And Joseph let's just skip over (laughs) Zechariah. he could do better and the first the first character isn't actually an encounter we talked about the first character is the entire nation of Israel you can call this a a bonus I'd call them deaf and oblivious right that was their response they were deaf and oblivious to God they had ceased hearing for from God their ears were closed up and their eyes were shut to God's working in creation, primarily because they had stopped living faithfully. They had stopped listening for his voice. Is that you? Is that you this morning? Maybe you're somebody who, who believed but has walked away and you've wondered why you quit hearing from God. Have you also stopped living faithfully? Have you stopped listening It does sometimes seem like God has quit speaking. There are times when it seems like He's silent, and that silence is like a crushing weight. I've been there. Right. Sometimes there are far more questions than there are answers, but we're called to live faithfully anyway. When we feel like we're not hearing from God, the answer isn't to quit. Isn't to walk away. It's not to quit listening. We need to press in that much more. We got to switch up the rhythm. If you're an incredibly busy person, figure out a way to slow down. If you constantly surround yourself with people, find a way to find some solitude. Try spending some time practicing fasting or scripture memorization or reading the books of the Bible that you've never read before. Maybe God is hoping that you'll hear his voice in a way you've never have before. In trying to listen the same way you always have, It's just not working, so you got to switch some things up and put yourself in a place to hear differently than what you have before. The faithful, be faithful and press in. Or maybe you find yourself in a completely different boat. Maybe you're somebody this morning for the first time hearing about God's work in the world, and it's opening your eyes to something that you haven't been able to believe until now. That brings us to our second character. Remember Zechariah? He was Characterized by doubt and denial. If you're considering the gospel for the first time this morning, please don't get stuck here. Don't get stuck at doubt and denial. Push through that. Your questions probably can't all be answered. That's okay. There are just questions that go beyond what we're able to answer fully, that go beyond what we're able to comprehend. Don't let the doubt of the unknown, stop you from getting to where Mary found herself. Maybe doubt and denial is leading you to question what you've already believed. Please, 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 please ask the questions. Even if the questions can't be answered, even if they can't be answered right away, right now, ask the questions. Find community and people to surround yourself with, people who you know believe and have a strong faith and are willing to walk alongside you, to talk with you, To share their faith with you. Who knows when God is going to speak to that person in your life? And it may seem like He's silent now. It may seem like there's a lot of questions that you're not having answered right now. But if we stop pursuing and we stop listening, they'll never be answered. Third, Mary. Oh, Mary, she was characterized by being unsure and yet surrendered. She didn't have the answers. She didn't know for sure what was happening. It didn't make a lot of sense, but she surrendered herself anyways. Faith doesn't mean there aren't questions. Faith doesn't mean that you have all the answers. Faith doesn't mean that you can't be unsure at times. Faith means that you're surrendered to God's will and you believe in Christ as your Savior despite the questions that pop up. The Christmas story is for you. Luke two eleven For unto you is born this day a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. That baby, born in the city of David, went to the cross thirty three years later to die for the sins of the world, to restore creation, to atone for our sins so that we could stand before God come judgment day as one pure and holy because of Christ's sacrifice. Amen. Not because of anything we did, simply because he lived a life surrendered to Christ. If that's something that you find yourself believing for the first time, and you have lots of questions, surrender yourself now, and the answers will come later. Amen. Four, Joseph. Joseph was quick to accept and to act. Many of us are quick to accept, but we're a little slower to act. Joseph is a great model of someone who's given a difficult job, who continued to push forward anyway. Right? Life was about to get really complicated, really complicated. But he, for, he pushed forward anyways because he believed the message that he had received. The book of James tells us in chapter 2, verse 26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The action is important not for our salvation, but for the health of our spiritual life. Amen. Those works grow our faith, and they bring fulfillment as we accomplish God's will for our life. We sometimes get hung up on this idea of faith versus works because we're afraid we're practicing some kind of works-based salvation theology, but by not acting, we're actually stunting our spiritual growth. We're hurting our ability to continually grow in Christ as we take more and more steps toward becoming like him and completing the works that he's laid out for us. And lastly, the shepherds. The shepherds can be characterized by belief in broadcasting. They had a message, and they knew they had to share it. It was too good to, to hold and to keep to themselves. Do you know somebody, somebody who doesn't know the gospel yet? Do you know someone who, who doesn't know the gospel or, or doesn't believe in the message of Christ? In today's culture, I've got to believe there's no way... <laughs> you don't know somebody who doesn't know or believe in Christ. If you don't, that's your application. Right, if you don't know somebody who doesn't know Christ, your application today is to find somebody who doesn't know Christ and to show them God's love and to share the gospel. For those of us who had somebody who came to mind right away, don't let the Christmas season go by without sharing the good news. Christmas is in, what, what's today, the 9th? I don't know an amount of days in the teens somewhere. (laughs) Don't let those days go by without sharing the gospel, without sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody who doesn't know or doesn't believe yet. Christ was born as a baby to live and breathe and die as we do. But the difference is, after he died, he defeated sin and death, and he rose to life, releasing us from the hold that sin has on us. Broadcasting that message doesn't have to look like Sitting somebody down, walking through Romans, explaining point by point by point what the gospel is. Share your life. Share your testimony. Share how God's changed you and is changing you. Share the good news as much as you can, but it's okay if there's some gaps here and there that you don't maybe understand. Maybe you're somebody who's not great with words, right? That's fine. Don't let it be a crutch. Don't let it be an excuse. There's plenty of other ways that you can share the gospel. Right? There's things like the series, the TV series, The Chosen, which does a great job communicating the gospel and who Jesus was. If you struggle to use your own words, just find some way to pair a presentation of the gospel with your life and broadcast the message of the way that God has changed you to the people who you know who don't know Christ yet. These Encounters with the angels. Because we've heard them so many times, (laughs) every Christmas, right, we read the same stories. Sometimes it's easy to just kind of let them become part of the routine. It's easy to forget how that changed life for everybody. Don't let that happen to you this year. Where do you find yourself in that spectrum of faith? Are you at the beginning of your walk? Are you asking questions? Maybe you've been faithful for a long time and you know there's some actions you need to take. For me, I know that's where I'm at. I'm kind of in that Joseph space where I need to be better about acting. (laughs) It's real easy to get caught up in the things that you're doing in the business of your day and say, well, I can do that later. When God gives you a message, when God gives you something to do, accept it and act on it like Joseph. That's where I'm at. Where are you this morning? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being a God who speaks to us, who's given us this wonderful message through the angels. God, I pray that you would empower us to take your word or take the way that God has spoken to the world, to put that in our hearts, to hold it within our hearts as something true and dear, but then to broadcast that through the world. Help us to see past ourselves, to get rid of whatever insecurities we have, of sharing your news and to share it with those around us. I pray, God, that you would place one person on each of our hearts this morning to communicate the gospel with you, that you would open those doors to do so. God, you are an amazing God. We love you, we serve you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.